good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, New Hope Community Church. I am excited that you are joining us today because uh, we are going to start a new series today um, that we're going to simply call, do we have the slide? Is it up? No? All right. You work on that, I'll preach the sermon. How about that? Oh, there he goes. It's simply called Four. Um, a little over a year ago, uh, Jen Hobson, um, who apparently is in like the hospital right now, we pray for her, um, and uh, Shannon Chastain and I, um, I don't think it's a too serious a thing, by the way. I just heard that from Rob. He mentioned that there, there was uh, uh, something that she needed to get checked out, but uh, praying for Jen. Anyway, um, about a year ago, Jen and Shannon and I uh, had a chance to attend a conference in Atlanta um, at North Point Community Church. Um, and one of the most compelling presentations uh, that I heard while I was down there was given by a pastor named Jeff Henderson. And this is kind of, uh, the presentation that he gave is kind of going to serve as a basis for this series. If you're not familiar with North Point, I'd encourage you to check them out. Um, they are at the forefront of, of thinking through what a 21st century church is called to be. Specifically, they've, they've done incredible work to create environments that unchurched people love to attend. They, they create church environments that unchurched people love to attend. You'll remember at the end of the sermon last week, we, remet, we read this verse uh, from Romans. Sorry. This verse from Romans 12, which says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. For us at New Hope, this is our marching orders. First, we're, we're called to contribute to the needs of the saints. Uh, with respect to our Roman Catholic brethren, the point here is that saints are all that are in Christ. Uh, Jesus followers, Christians. So if you're a Christian, uh, we're glad you're here. Our responsibility as a church is to work together to cultivate a culture of worship and discipleship and mission that leads to the transformation that we talked about last week. The transformation more and more each day, each day becoming the people that God made us to be. The way that we contribute to the needs of the saints is by offering worship services that equip you to be the church in your community. Uh, house churches that provide opportunities to study scripture and help each other grow closer to God. Um, and service opportunities that give you a chance to live out your God-given talents in the life of your community. See, we envision a church that seeks to contribute to the needs of the saints. Another way of saying this is that we want to be a deep church. However, the second part of that text is often forgotten. It says that we are also to seek to show hospitality. Uh, the word hospitality is the Greek word phylloxenia, which, which means to show love to the stranger. Our responsibility as a church is to work together to cultivate a culture of hospitality, welcoming strangers into our family and most importantly into the family of God. What I love about this verse is that it doesn't say convert the pagans. It doesn't say admonish the ungodly. No, no, seek to show hospitality. 
Not because we want to pretend to love them so that they'll come to our church and give us money and because we can become the next megachurch or something like that. No, let's get that out of the way right now. No, seek to show hospitality because Jesus showed us that it's the right way to live. So how did Jesus welcome the stranger? He healed them. He embraced them. He loved them. In many instances, he allowed them to initiate the interaction and responded with radical hospitality. If you're watching this or or listening to my voice right now, and you've ever felt like a stranger, if you've ever felt like an outsider, if you've ever felt like there's a club and you're not in it, if you've ever attended a church, maybe even this church, and you felt like you didn't belong, I am here this morning. This series is about telling you and telling everyone that you are welcome here. And we certainly don't want you to be a stranger for long. Friends, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are a community of Jesus followers who seek to live out His kingdom agenda on earth as it is in heaven. In that light, we want to not only be unapologetically deep, we want to be outrageously wide. As I've mentioned before, I'm convinced that our call is not to just be both deep and wide. I'm convinced that you can't do one well without the other. A friend of mine in seminary used to often ask, she used to say, a church needs to ask, how joinable are we? We should ask this of our church, but we should also ask it of our, of our families, our workplaces, our homes, our groups of friends, etc., So I believe um, that if we are to be more joinable, if we are to become more joinable, then it must be communicated that we are for others. As a church, what are we for? Well, first and foremost, we we are for Jesus. We believe that he is the only one worthy of our full allegiance. He is our leader. He is our pastor. He is our prophet. He is our priest and he is our king. So if we're for Jesus, the next question is, well, who's Jesus for? And to get an answer to that question, we need to look no further than one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. There's lots of things that we can pull out of these verses, but most important thing is the truth that God is for you. He is for the world. He is for our city. He is for our our county, our communities, our families. He's for our redemption and our reconciliation with God. He is for new creation. And, um, And he is calling the people of New Hope Community Church to be his instruments of love for a world that needs to be reconciled to its heavenly Father. In far too many instances, the church has become known for what it is against. But we want to be known for what we're for. Now you might be thinking, that all sounds well well and good, Joe, but but can you unpack that a little bit? What does it mean for us to be for our community? And while we're at it, what exactly is our community? I'm glad you asked. The, The philosopher Simon Sinek once gave a famous TED Talk 
where he said that, that any organization must start with the why in order to build a healthy culture. He, he said that, that the why defines the how. The, the purpose defines the progress. At North Point, they found that it wasn't enough for them to start with the why. They wanted to figure out a way for the organization, for their organization, they wanted to figure out a way for their church to stay with the why. To put it another way, they wanted to make sure that they were keeping the main thing, the main thing. For us, the main thing is the gospel. The gospel, the good news that God's kingdom is at hand and that we are called to be a part of it and that we are called to call others to be a part of it, right? A crucial principle for leaders of any organization is that leaders are repeaters. This means that they repeat the message and they say it over and over and over again. They stay on the main thing and they keep the main thing the main thing. This is why you've heard me repeatedly use phrases like new way to be human and cruciformity. Because I believe that my role as a pastor is to call you into an abundantly fresh way of living with Jesus at the center that is defined by sacrificial love towards others. As a parent, or maybe as a spouse, or a boss, have you ever wondered, how often do I need to say this? Oh gosh, how many more times do I need to say it? The answer is probably one more time, at least. Because unfortunately, people like organizations, have a tendency to drift. And culture is never established in a day. Here's an example. Years ago, founder of Chick-fil-A, the late uh, Truett Cathy, he launched an idea at his restaurants. He said that from now on, when someone says thank you, he wanted employees to respond with the words, my pleasure. The problem was that shortly after he made the announcement, Kathy started visiting restaurants. And when he said, inevitably, he would walk into a restaurant, order a meal, get his meal, and say thank you, and so often they would respond with, you're welcome. But Kathy, he, he didn't get angry, he got passionate. Um, he started saying, my pleasure, over and over and over and over and over again, and eventually, about five years later, it became, a culture, uh, it became a cultural mainstay in their organization. And now, the thing that really strikes me is that when I go to a competitor, which, you know, I sometimes do, um, and say thank you, I more often than not, than not, I hear the words, my pleasure, in response. Culture it takes time to establish. And I believe that anything worth saying is worth repeating. Culture takes time to establish, and anything worth saying is worth repeating. Jesus is calling us to a new way of being human. He is calling us um, to be uh, defined by cruciform, sacrificial love, and he is calling us to be for others. So, New Hope Community Church, what do you want to be known for? This is a great question for any individual, and it's a great question for any organization. It's certainly a great question for a church. If you're here with us online today, and you're a leader in a business, or a school, or a team, or even a family, what would it look like to gather other leaders, other team members, other members of your family, and ask, hey guys, what do we want to be known for? As a church, New Hope, what do we 
want to be known for? Joy? Hospitality? Generosity? I hope so. It's an inspiring question to ask. The thing is, to really do the work, we also then need to ask the question, well, we've defined what we want to be known for. Now we need to ask the harder question, what are we known for? If our task is to seek and show hospitality and welcome the stranger and proclaim good news to the unchurched, then I challenge each of us to take ownership of that question. What are you, New Hope Community Church, known for? And more broadly, what is the church in general known for? One of the things that people who've studied such things have found out is, is this. That, that many are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. They assume the church isn't for them because they assume the church isn't for them when nothing should be further from the truth. Take these people, for instance. Just a group of lovely people in a park. Nothing wrong with them, of course. We, we might wish... That, that we were with them now. Um, let's say this is a Sunday. Church may not even be on their radar screen. Again, I need to remind us, this isn't about church attendance, although I want to be unapologetic about desiring growth there. Fundamentally, though, this is about fulfilling the calling that we, are be, we have been given as a church. Our role is to shrink the gap between the people in the park and the church because we would be a better organization with them. Not just them specifically, but with the understanding that healthy things grow. And that we want to be a church that is hospitable. We want to be a joinable organization. How do we do that? We do that by seeking to show hospitality and welcoming the stranger. By creating a church environment that they'd love to attend and invite their friends to be a part of. More importantly, by being a church that they'd feel welcome in. Now if you're anything like me, when I said that, your brain shifted to the defensive a little bit. After all, you might say, shouldn't we be primarily focused on the gospel and less focused on offending people, right? I love how North Point's pastor Andy Stanley discusses this in his book, Deep and Wide. He says this, he says, we don't mind offending people with the gospel. We assume that we'll offend people with the gospel. As a preacher, it's my responsibility to offend people with the gospel. That's one reason why we work so hard not to offend them in the parking lot and in the hallway and in the check-in or in the early portions of the service. We want people to come back the following week for another round of offending. Friends, the, the gospel, it's offensive because it tells people that they are sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus said that if any seek to follow after him, they'll need to take up their cross, deny themselves, and follow him. That requires embracing humility. It requires rejecting uh, a life of selfish ambition. The Christian life is one that bears the burdens of others and seeks to love others, even those who don't love you back. The Christian life is one that calls you to be for others, even when they aren't for you. And maybe even especially when they're not for you. I don't 
pretend to claim that that's not offensive. But I do think there's more. The good news, the gospel means good news. The, the good news is that God loves everyone. God loves every person that comes through our doors and every person that watches us online. And he desires abundant life for them. I mean, don't, don't you see it? The life of cruciform, sacrificial love is a life worth pursuing. So we want to be a church that breaks down any barriers at hearing and experiencing the gospel. Of course, you know, th this is not without biblical precedent. I mean, take a look at the book of Acts chapter 15. In Acts 15, we see the, the episode commonly referred to as the uh, Jerusalem Council. The, the question the early church was discussing was whether Gentiles should be circumcised. Some had begun to teach that if you wanted to be a Christ follower, that meant you're going to have to have a little surgery. Acts uh, tells us that there was no small dissension and debate over the issue. At one point, Peter, he stands up and he says, Guys, I've been given a call from God himself to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And when they receive it, they receive the Holy Spirit just as we did. Peter said, God made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their heart by faith. He said, even we don't keep the law that well. We believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as they will. And then James, the brother of Jesus, he stands up and he quotes the prophet Amos, who talks about how the restoration and rebuilding of God's people will include the Gentiles, will include all nations. And James says, therefore, he says, therefore, my judgment is that, 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 they sh uh, that, that, that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who are turning to God, who turn to God. They, they tell them that they should abstain from, from meat that has been sacrificed to idols and from sexual immorality. They told them that that, that because they told them that because that's what it looked like um, to love God and love others in their context. Um, if we are studying Acts properly, obviously there's tons more that we could bring out of this passage. Um, but for our purposes today, I, I love what, what N.T. Wright has to say about this passage. He says, give a church a rule and you guide them for a day. Teach a church to think and you guide them for life. One of the principles I love about Acts 15 is that the apostles had this kind of <laughs> come-to-Jesus moment. They had this moment where they said, we need to keep the main thing. We need to communicate to the Gentiles that we're for them, and we want to make sure that there are no barriers to the proclamation of the gospel. Friends, we are called to be a people that help each other renew our minds in Christ. We're called to be a, a gospelized community that is for the context that we've been placed in. I mean, let's, let's go back to the, to the people in the park. We've been called to make disciples of them. How can we take James's words to heart and not make things any more difficult for them than they need to be? How can we show them that we don't just want something from them, we want something for them. How do we position ourselves as a church that would create an environment where they feel welcomed? How do we create an environment where they feel safe to bring their questions, to 
to bring their vulnerabilities, to bring their friends. I believe that this is what it gets down to for us to have a missional mindset as a community um, that, that is for others. Because we are for Jesus. We are for Catonsville. We are for Baltimore. We are for local schools, police departments, fire departments, homeless shelters, food pantries. We're advocates for teachers and doctors and nurses and scientists and writers and engineers. We're advocates for small business owners, for large business owners, the wealthy, the poor, Republican and Democrat, men and women, young and old. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and that means that we are for you. In closing, I want us to briefly give three ways that we can communicate this as a church. Create common ground, create conversations, and create connections. Of course, we'll talk a lot about this, a lot more about this as we go through the series, but, but first, we want to create common ground by showing that we, we care about the things that the, the community cares about. Uh, Katie Graves, Abby, and I are, are on the board at Catonsville Emergency Assistance because we want to get help to those who need it. I'm a part of the professional business builders of Catonsville because I want to make sure that local businesses know that the church values them. We're a part of the local ministerium because we want to make sure that other churches know that we are all on the same team. And we're hosting a blood drive on October 1st. Did you know that? We're hosting a blood drive on October 1st with the American Red Cross because blood supply is at critical levels and every two seconds someone in the United States needs blood. These needs matter to the community and therefore they matter to us. You want this to be a great place to live? You want Catonsville to be a great place to live? You want Baltimore to be a great place to live? We do too. You want thriving businesses and great schools? We do too. You want clean parks and a community that supports the arts? We do too. For far too long, the church has either had an adversarial relationship with people who don't go to church or a non-existent relationship with people who don't go to church. I say we can do better. And I say we do that by creating common ground. We also do that by creating good conversations. In the coming weeks, you're going to receive a a gift in the mail from us. It'll be a car magnet. We want to launch a four movement in our community, and we consider asking you to spread the message in order to create, create good conversations. Kind of think about a fun way to do this. I, I mentioned Chick-fil-A before, or the, like the drive-through. Put the magnet on your car, and go to the drive-through, and pay for the person behind you. Pay it backwards, as they say. As you drive away, the only thing the person will see is the four magnet and then be informed that you paid for their meal. It's just like a small act of kindness in order to communicate that you are for them. Think about what it'll spark. It'll, it'll force the person at the window to have to tell the customer, hey, your meal was taken care of. I don't know. He just paid for it, weird guy. Um, who knows what kind of conversation that'll spark in the restaurant? Who knows what kind of conversation that'll spark with the people in the car? Never underestimate what God can do with your kindness. Or when someone sees the magnet on your car, or maybe in your office or something, and they say, hey, what's that about? You can simply reply that, hey, you know what? The church for far too long has been known for what it's against, and we want to be known for what we're for. We're for Catonsville. We're for Baltimore. We're for others. As this common ground is established and good conversations begin to happen, then we pray that, that it's going to be God 
who creates those connections and moves in remarkable ways. I mean, those kind of two examples, a little couple of examples of how we create those conversations, how we have, it's, a, it's an open book. There's plenty of ways we can go about doing that. But then when we take that step, we take the step of, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When we take those steps and we live into the fruit of the Spirit, we see God create connections with other people in remarkable ways. God can take moments and acts of kindness and he will use them to shrink the gap between the church and the people God loves. Between the lost and himself. In the prayers of the people today that, that Katie and Lucy read, we, we, read we, we prayed that we would be such a blessing to our community that they would miss us if we went away. That begins with the individual, friends. For us, it, looks, it, 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 takes, it begins with me looking in the mirror and saying, what is, it, what is a step that I need to do in order to, to contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality to others? I think that our job individually is to ask whether there is a gap between what you want to be known for and what you are actually known for. I know that's a difficult exercise. What would it mean for each of us to ask ourselves, ask each other, what is a step that I can take to help communicate to others that the church, that God, is for them? Jesus told his disciples that his mission was to seek and save the lost. We're actually going to look at that verse next week. And then he went to the cross. And he rose on the third day and he gave them a commission to continue that work. That's what it means to be the church. That's what it means to embrace this gospel. To embrace the call to proclaim. To embrace the call to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's what it calls. That's what it, that's what it means to be the church. So let's get to work. Let me pray for us. Father, I can only imagine being in that group, that group of disciples that heard you say, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded, and I'll be with you until the end of the age. And then you were appeared to be gone. I know that's scary. I know that must have been um, terrifying to the people who heard that and knew that this work that you had began, those three years of earthly ministry, those three years of, of preaching and healing, that it's now their job to go and continue that work. But, Father, help us remember that you've never departed us. You've never truly left us. You're right here beside us and you desire us to live that life worth pursuing, to proclaim that life worth pursuing, to proclaim the gospel, to be a people that, that other people would be um, attracted to, that, that other people would, would desire, hey, to, to see the work that we're doing, to see our advocacy for our community and say, I want, I want to be a part of that. That even though it costs them something, because there's always cost of discipleship, that even though it costs them something, that they would see that the good news of the gospel is your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. 
And that's the only way to fly. It's the only way to live. That we would hear that this truth that you are inviting us into a new way of being human. You are inviting us to renew our minds of the age to come. That live into that truth and live like you're already on the throne because you are. Father, give us the freedom to be the church. Help us to be energized and empowered to be the church for a broken world. So in the most holy name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.